Welcome back, everyone. I'm Phil, and this is another podcast edition of Bookie, a casual diary of various lessons, topics, and ideas I'm thinking through out loud. Today's piece is called, What the Hell Just Happened? Lessons Learned from Crypto's Wild Week. Not my best title, but sums up what I'm feeling pretty well. So without further ado, let's jump in. I was in the middle of writing another piece, but shelved it so I can start capturing my thoughts on some really crazy events that took place this past week. For those of you who are tuned into crypto, you probably already know what I'm talking about. But I also know there's a good chunk of you who aren't, and in classic bookie fashion, I figured it would be worthwhile to try to understand what actually happened by writing about it. Sprinkle in elements of me being catastrophically wrong, along with some important lessons about critical thinking, and this turned out to be a really worthwhile exercise. All right, enough preamble. Let's jump in and speed run through what happened last week. Do you all remember my bookie article a few months back about stable coins and the future of money? Remember how I was raving about Terra USD? Remember how I even characterized it as this beacon of hope, showcasing all the potential benefits digital currencies can bring to society? Well, here's what happened last week. In what's been dubbed Meltdown Monday, a series of market events led to the UST stablecoin losing its peg to the US dollar. At the time of this writing, UST is valued at 18 cents after spending most of its history valued at a dollar. The subsequent depegging of Terra UST triggered a chain reaction that ultimately caused 50 billion, that's billion with a B, of market value to evaporate practically overnight. Terra at its peak was one of the top 10 most valuable cryptocurrencies based on market cap. Its implosion might turn out to be the largest single asset class collapse the world has ever seen. I'll pause here and acknowledge that while I'll be exploring the mechanics behind what happened, I don't want to gloss over the real pain this disaster has brought on. I'm fortunate enough to characterize this episode as just a consequence from yet another dumb crypto investment. It was enough pain to motivate me to reflect and actually try to learn from what happened. I get to wipe some egg off my face and participate in this intellectual exercise of self-reflection. But real people and businesses had their entire livelihoods tied to this asset class and their financial situation has just taken a dark turn for the worst. Reports of suicides have already surfaced and Terra Reddit threads are filled with links to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's important to explore the market conditions that led to this event, but I also don't want to lose sight of the real human cost tied to this financial catastrophe. So why did this happen? What does it mean for the future of crypto? And what can we all collectively learn from all of this carnage? Before we go any further, let's talk about how the Terra ecosystem actually works. How Terra works. Stablecoins have all the properties of digital currencies, faster settlement, and easy access to Web3 services, but are stably pegged to a real-world asset like the US dollar. Major stablecoins like Tether and USDC maintain their peg with collateral. Each token is worth a dollar, and every token in circulation is supposed to be backed by a dollar worth of cash or cash equivalent centrally held somewhere. Much like how our paper dollars used to be redeemable for gold, 
Stable coins should always be redeemable for real dollars. That trust is ultimately what ensures these tokens hold their value. UST, the subject of today's piece and the third largest stablecoin in circulation is an algorithmic stablecoin. There's no centralized entity that keeps collateral sold away for you to redeem. Instead, UST relies on smart contracts, incentives, and trading activity to hold its value. It's pegged to the dollar is ultimately a function of people believing in the stability of all these moving pieces. We'll touch on how that trust started breaking down shortly. So how does it work? The Terra protocol actually consists of two tokens, UST, the stablecoin we referenced above, and Luna, the governance token that lets you vote on what the Terra protocol is allowed to do. Built into the algorithm is the rule that you can always redeem $1 worth of Luna for one unit of UST and vice versa. That means if Luna is priced at $90, you can redeem it for 90 UST tokens, and your Luna gets taken out of circulation to mint these 90 UST tokens. Conversely, if I had 90 UST tokens, I can redeem them for one Luna worth $90, burning my 90 UST tokens to mint the one new Luna token. And you can always make this exchange even if UST is worth less than a dollar. So to summarize these three points, one, X dollars worth of Luna can always be exchanged for X units of UST, and X units of UST can always be exchanged for X dollars worth of Luna. Two, every time you exchange Luna for UST, Luna gets destroyed to create new UST, and every time you exchange UST for Luna, UST gets destroyed to create new Luna. Three, you can make this exchange even if the UST stablecoin isn't worth $1. This mechanism is critical to understanding what happened on Meltdown Monday, so let's really drive this point home with an example. Let's say I currently hold five Luna priced at $90 each, so $450 worth of Luna total. Now, let's pretend UST suddenly goes below its peg of $1 down to 90 cents. When UST was worth a dollar, my $450 worth of Luna would allow me to get 450 units of UST. But now that UST is 90 cents, I can now get 500 UST tokens from my Luna. So I buy the 500 UST tokens and because a token of UST gets me the equivalent dollar amount of Luna, I can immediately exchange it for $500 worth of Luna. So I just turned my $450 into $500 with just this simple Luna UST exchange mechanism, which finance bros call arbitrage. And by making this exchange, I also just removed 500 UST tokens out of circulation. When enough people do this, the supply of UST decreases to ultimately raise the price of UST back to its dollar peg. Econ 101, supply and demand. Of course, this only works when people are holding and exchanging UST and Luna. Stablecoins function a lot like currency. People need to believe in their intrinsic utility to maintain their value. I cited a few real-world examples for why people may want to hold on to UST in my Future of Money piece. UST is facilitating a significant number of e-commerce and brick-and-mortar transactions in Korea. It announced a partnership with the Washington Nationals MLB team and will be accepted as a form of payment in their stadium. 
It gives you access to a ton of financial services like crypto ETFs, loans, and high yield savings account built on top of the Terra protocol. Turns out that the overwhelming majority of people held UST just to use a service called Anchor, Terra's version of a high interest savings account that provides 20% returns on all deposits. For comparison, my high yield savings account only offers 0.6%. 20% is an absurd APY. I could be making 40 times more money taking every dollar I would have put into a traditional savings account, buying UST, and then depositing it into Anchor. At its peak, 70% of all UST in circulation was held in Anchor, and with UST widely considered a dollar equivalent, all this sounded like a risk-free bet. Seems too good to be true? Certainly not to me seven days ago, but I'll admit the answer would have depended on who you asked. The Luna Foundation Guard, or LFG, led by Terra founder Do Kwon, oversees the entire Terra ecosystem and were the ones responsible for Anchor's bootstrapping strategy. The LFG uses its initial capital to buy Luna and sells the Luna for UST to fill up the Anchor protocol reserve the big slush fund that pays anchor depositors the absurdly high 20% interest rate. One could characterize this arrangement as the LFG essentially paying people to use anchor, which encourages people to hold UST, which drives down the supply of Luna and increases its price. As long as the value of Luna keeps increasing, the LFG can continue exchanging Luna for UST filling up the Anchor Protocol Reserve, and continuing to pay these juicy interest rates. What a beautiful, positive feedback loop. But minting money out of thin air in order to juice up demand also sounds a lot like a Ponzi scheme. In hindsight, a decentralized stablecoin that was effectively holding on to its own stablecoin as collateral should have been a red flag. In my defense, This method of artificially generating demand isn't illegal nor novel. Developing countries do this with their new currencies in order to jumpstart initial supply and demand. We just need to go on long enough for UST to become a widely used stablecoin before the LFG reserves run out of money. Funny enough, a crypto entrepreneur I met the Saturday before Meltdown Monday warned me about the scenario. This wasn't a crypto meetup. I was at a friend's birthday party and the guy was standing between me and the slice of cake I really wanted. He's a cool guy though. And here's roughly how the conversation went down. By the way, this is going to get a little weird in podcast form because I'm going to have to pretend to be me and him in dialogue, but here it goes. Me saying a bunch of crypto nonsense, trying to sound smart. I'm really excited about Luna. Here's how it works. Blah, blah, blah. Him Phil, this sounds a lot like a Ponzi scheme. Me, I wouldn't call it a Ponzi scheme, it's more like a perpetual motion machine. Him, perpetual motion machines also don't exist, the laws of physics don't allow it. Me, no, but it just needs to work for a little while longer. Him, that's what Ponzi schemes claim too. Me, awkward pause, we'll be fine. Call it whatever you want, this whole system of incentives led to Luna's meteoric rise as one of the largest cryptocurrencies in the world. Starting at a dollar per token at the beginning of 2021, it rapidly ascended to a high of 119 this past April. Investing in Luna 
which is what I did at $90 per token, was betting on more people wanting to hold UST. Turns out, there was also a bet on Anchor's interest rate continuing to make it an attractive reason to do so. The more people who want to use Anchor, the higher the demand for UST. The higher the demand for UST, the more people are willing to burn Luna to hold UST. And then less Luna supply would keep increasing the price of the remaining Luna tokens. As long as people continue to believe in the directional appreciation of Luna, UST remains stable, and the party keeps going. What happened? Everything that makes Terra such a juggernaut can also lead to its swift, unforgiving demise. Let's use an extreme example to explain. Let's say Luna is priced at a billion dollars per token. You exchange your Luna for 1 billion UST, which mints 1 billion new UST tokens. Yay, more stablecoin liquidity. Then let's say that the price of Luna falls to a dollar for no good reason. You can now redeem 1 billion Luna tokens with the 1 billion UST you hold. So suddenly, a lot of UST is gone, and there's a lot more Luna floating around. Luna supply goes up so much that it puts downward pressure on its price. All that UST that just left circulation means there's fewer UST to facilitate transactions, making people start to question its underlying utility as a stablecoin. Oh, and one other thing. Now there's also less UST and Anchor to pay those interest-bearing savings accounts, which gives people even less desire to hold UST. Now there's widespread lack of confidence in both Luna and UST, and the cycle repeats. This is what crypto folks call the algorithmic stablecoin death spiral, and it's exactly what happened on Meltdown Monday. In what the LFG characterized as a coordinated attack, some very, very well-capitalized traders began accumulating over a billion dollars worth of UST during the run-up. Then, on Monday, May 9th, they sold approximately 285 million UST simultaneously across platforms like Anchor, Curve, and Binance. That's a lot of UST getting destroyed and a ton of Luna entering the ecosystem. This actually wasn't the first time something like this happened. Terra's actually weathered a few massive UST liquidation events in its history and emerged unscathed. In January, Terra stability faced its biggest challenge after a Web3 DeFi service called DGenBox collapsed. Remember that 20% APY on Anchor? If someone's paying you 20% risk-free, why not just borrow a ton of money at lower interest rates and put them into Anchor? You could take out a million dollar loan, charging 2% interest, and put that 1 million into Anchor. Anchor gives you $200,000, you pay back $20,000 to the person who loaned it to you, and you just netted $180,000 in profit. You take your profits to secure an even bigger loan and repeat the same process. This is a recursive borrowing strategy, effectively minting money from thin air, and it's exactly what DGenBox and a ton of other retail and institutional investors did during the Luna run-up. Once DGenBox collapsed, so much UST got liquidated that UST briefly depegged and Luna slid from $100 down to $46. That's when Jump, 3AC, and other institutional Terra Luna investors gave the LFG $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. All that Bitcoin was used to buy back the excess supply of Luna, stabilize its price, 
and also gave UST holders a way to redeem UST to Bitcoin. Crisis averted, and many even praised this new influx of Bitcoin collateral as a smart insurance policy. Should we have been more skeptical of an algorithmic stablecoin suddenly relying on collateral? Maybe, but no one else seemed to care, and the price of Luna shot back up to all-time highs. Now, back to Meltdown Monday. This was a much larger liquidation event than what happened with DGEN Box in January. So much UST left the system that the stablecoin depegged, and the LFG was forced to start deploying its massive Bitcoin emergency fund. The plan was to use their Bitcoin to buy Luna to create more UST to stabilize the peg. They hoped that by selling this much Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin would get pushed down. They can then buy back the Bitcoin collateral on a lower basis. And buying back the Bitcoin would increase the price and demand for Bitcoin, increasing the amount of collateral they now hold in their emergency fund. Sell Bitcoin, create more UST, buy back Bitcoin, and increase collateral. Repeat and profit. The Anchor Protocol Reserve gets replenished, UST stabilizes, confidence gets restored, and Luna emerges even stronger. There was a very tight window, all this needed to happen, and you guessed it, it didn't. The panic happened so quickly that the LFG simply didn't have enough Bitcoin to weather the storm. And because Bitcoin transactions are public, people knew when exactly the LFG had run out of their reserves. Once word got out, even more people started cashing out their UST to avoid the death spiral carnage. Doquan, whose Twitter handle is ironically StableQuan, employed every trick in the book to restore confidence. Terra started rate limiting the number of UST to Luna redemptions, Doquan played up rumors that there was going to be another capital injection worth billions of dollars, which became quickly apparent that it wasn't happening. Doquan promised that if UST survives, it will get rebuilt into a collateralized stablecoin. Doquan proclaimed Terra's return to form will be a sight to behold. Within a matter of days, Luna went from being priced at $64 to essentially zero, or 0.0488 cents to be precise. The price of Luna is so low that exchanges have completely delisted it. As for UST, it's completely depegged the dollar and only worth 18 cents. For the weekend, Doquan announced that they're halting the blockchain, essentially saying that they've given up and will no longer be processing transactions. What's next? This was one of the fastest, most dramatic episodes of wealth destruction we have ever seen. Luna's crash generated even more widespread skittishness, and the crypto market contracted 16% this past week. Tether, the largest stablecoin in circulation, briefly lost its peg after people started panicking and selling in mass. Tether would have been a much bigger domino to fall, but has fortunately recovered. The event even caught the eye of the U.S. government. Much to the chagrin of crypto purist Janet Yellen, the U.S. Secretary of the Treasury, pointed out, This episode is yet another example of why crypto and stablecoins need to be regulated. There's something uniquely American about proclaiming, let me lose my money the way I want, but it seems inevitable that regulation is coming. It's time for the community to react maturely, pragmatically, and collaboratively to the public sector entering this space. I'm optimistic there's a path to a safer and more vibrant ecosystem at the end of it. 
So what can we learn? With the benefit of hindsight, there are two critical lessons that are top of mind. One, nothing is too big to fail. There were 114 projects built on top of the Terra ecosystem. It was one of the largest cryptocurrencies in the world and had support from some of the top venture capitalists in the space. This was supposed to be where all the smart money was. Turns out none of that matters if the underlying fundamentals of the project can't deliver. Two, FOMO and herd mentality is really powerful. Lots of very, very credible people supported Luna, but lots of credible people also sounded the alarm about the risks. Algorithmic stablecoins have collapsed like this before, and some even argue that their inherent design makes this death spiral inevitable. Despite considering myself to be a fairly principled, open-minded decision maker, I ignored the naysayers and discounted their points as just ill-informed skepticism. It's such a valuable lesson in how our beliefs influence the information we consume, and not the other way around. But I'll also conclude with this. I'm not ready to be a pessimist. This was a disastrous, failed experiment with awful consequences, but I do think we need these sort of mistakes to move us forward. In the present moment, especially during moments of crisis, skeptics will always seem smarter than optimists. But don't be that guy who thought everything useful was already invented in 1920, or that guy who predicted the demise of the internet after the dot-com bubble popped. This isn't the end. Crypto's clearly in a slump, but it'll bounce back. There's too much momentum and talent for this entire sector to be held down forever. I'm optimistic that the learnings and response to this episode will bring more value than the destruction it caused. So maybe the right strategy is to be skeptical short-term and optimistic long-term. Honestly, who knows? But I'm still an enthusiastic supporter of this sector. Just one that has a lot less capital. Thank you so much. Thank you.